0: This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Your Radio Doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, products, physicians, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on Your Radio Doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. I'm
1: Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars. Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no copays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit slash star.
2: Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement. Talk
3: radio 1210. WPHT, WPHT HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie.
5: Good evening and welcome to your radio doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. This was a big week. I hope you all enjoyed a wonderful Father's Day. And we're all happy now that it's finally summer officially as of June 21st. Today is the second show in a two-part series on strokes. Last week, we learned valuable information about the warning signs of strokes and the risk factors. Our guest, Dr. Robert Rosenwasser, is here again today, and we're very pleased to welcome him this evening as we now focus on treatment of strokes. Dr. Robert Rosenwasser, the Jewel L. Osterholm MD, Professor and Chair of Neurological Surgery at Thomas Jefferson University. He's a professor both of neuroscience and radiology, and the president and CEO of the Vicki and Jack Farber Institute for Neuroscience at Jefferson. Dr. Rosenwasser is highly respected for his extensive research, enjoys an international reputation, and is one of the first in the country to practice both conventional neurosurgical techniques as well as minimally invasive procedures when treating vascular abnormalities of the brain. Of course, the ultimate compliment is to be recognized by your peers, and he was given the Cushing Award for Technical Excellence and Innovation from the American Association of Neurological Surgeons. Welcome back, Robert. Thanks for joining us again.
6: Well, thank you, Dr. Ritchie. It's a pleasure to be here.
5: Stroke. That's a word I never want to experience firsthand, but I think it bears repeating the very important message from last week. You shared a great tool that helps us remember the warning signs of a stroke. Let's review that acronym, BFAST.
6: Sure, I'm happy to do that. And it's so important, and thank you for giving giving us the opportunity to share that again, because everything that follows, unless the patients and families know the warning signs, we, we, we can't treat you. So Remember the word be fast. B E F A S T. And B stands for loss of balance, um, and E stands for any blurring of vision or double vision, F stands for sudden weakness or drooping of your face, arm, the A stands for arm, which is weakness in an arm, either your right or left arm, speech, any difficulty speaking or garbled speech. So if you're someone with someone and they say your speech is funny, you may not notice it but but whoever you're with might. And then time. Time is so critical, and we spend a lot of time talking about that. And if you have these symptoms, call 911 and let us sort it out. There, You lose, for every minute of no blood flow to parts of the brain, you lose 2 million brain cells, 2 million brain cells per minute. And that's why time is so important.
5: Mm-hmm. And if you have the sudden onset of symptoms that – might represent a stroke, even if they're not, how often do you abuse the ambulance service? Once every 10 years? That's what we're here for, right?
6: That's exactly right. And so call 911. Let us sort it out. Don't think you have, you know, it's like years ago when people had heart, heart attacks, they didn't know it was heart attacks. They thought it was indigestion. And so the same thing, if your arm is asleep, it's probably not asleep, right? And so, you know, obviously, it's really important to get all those things checked out. Call 911 and let us sort it out.
5: And the most important thing for people to know, if they hear nothing else from you today, is that there is a limited time that that window is open. You say roughly four, maybe if you're lucky, four and a half hours for the person to get to the emergency department and get treatment, which would include what? Depending on the symptoms.
6: Well, that's right. So, you know, there are different types of treatment. Uh, For the intravenous clot busting drug, the window's about four and a half minutes, but many people wake up, you know, or they'll say, you know, I think this will pass. And so if they're beyond four and a half hours, we do have other tools that we'll probably talk about, which involves actually going in and surgically removing the blood clot from the vessel, but really time is so critical. And, uh, you know, I don't think Dr. Ritchie, we can emphasize that, how important that really is to call 911 and get to the ER.
5: And as you say, time is brain. And the, the IV solution that you use is called TPA. Can you explain what that is to our listeners?
6: Sure. So TPA is essentially a, a medication that dissolves blood clots. And it's used in heart attacks. It's used in other parts of the body as well. But we give it intravenously. And many people, I'm sure, who are listening have had an IV. So the IV goes in, and then we inject this medication, which is essentially a clot-busting drug, which dissolves the blood clot to some degree. Obviously, the smaller the blood clot, the better the effect. The sooner we give the drug, obviously, the better the effect. So it's, it's it's a medication that's given intravenously.
5: And the interesting point you make is it's also used if somebody's cardiac or coronary artery is blocked with a clot. And we talked about the different causes for stroke last week. More often, probably about 80% of the time, am I right? It's low flow or a block from a a clot or a plaque. Um, Maybe 20% of the time, it's bleeding into the brain. Somebody's on a blood thinner, they fall and they have head trauma, or they're in a motor vehicle accident. But more commonly, you see low blood flow or no blood flow. Um, but that's not always from a blocked artery. It could be because the person's having a heart attack. Their heart is um, not getting the blood flow. It needs to pump blood out to the brain. So that's another um, place where the TPA might help the heart as well as if there's a clot in the brain. I mean, that's probably not very frequent, but um, for all those reasons, Don't drive yourself to the emergency room. Don't drive your loved one because the other really great um, resource is that paramedic, when they come to your door, they put the EKG monitor on you right away. So there's good uh, clues right from the start. If you're having a heart attack as well as a stroke.
6: That is absolutely correct. And, uh, and that's absolutely correct. So it's important. Again, the EMS will look at your EKG, which is your heart tracing, and they'll check your blood pressure and do all the uh, important things. And and today we have what we call pre-hospital notification. Will the radio or call into the hospital or ER and say, I have you know Mrs. Jones, and this is her age, and this is her blood pressure. And we even have the methods to actually look at the heart tracing, the EKG in the ER, which is uh which comes over the uh, wire. Mm-hmm.
5: And so let's hope that uh, I never am the patient in that ambulance, but what happens when I arrive to the emergency department, um, brought in either by ambulance or if I happen to stroll in, what should I expect as a patient?
6: Well, you know, we happen to be very fortunate in, in Pennsylvania and in the Philadelphia area, there are many what are called primary stroke centers, but still every ER, whether it's a primary stroke, stroke center or not is well-versed in this. And so you come to the emergency room, most people are brought in by EMS. So occasionally we have someone who walks in and says, you know, I'm, I'm weak, I'm having problems with this or my balance, but that's not the most common. Most common is patients are brought in by the ambulance. And you're greeted at the door. Usually, you know, uh, we we have what's called stroke alert. All hospitals have what's called a stroke alert. So you you you, you walk through, or you're, you're brought in. You say these are my symptoms. A, a stroke alert is notified. Obviously, they check your vital signs, blood pressure, heart heart rhythm, et cetera. But immediately, you get wheeled off to have what's called a CAT scan and t- certain type of X-ray to look at the brain to see whether there is bleeding or other causes. Uh, or whether it looks like what we call an ischemic stroke, which is a low blood flow type of stroke, which is what we're really talking about. So imaging, neurological exam and imaging is what will happen as soon as you hit the door and And, tell the nurse that you have those symptoms.
5: And once you're in the hospital, in that uh, cubby, you're examined repeatedly because strokes can evolve and continue to involve more parts of your body or your language or uh, understanding. And so a CAT scan, a person's taken to CAT scan and we're looking to either give the clot buster or not. Uh, we have about two minutes. Let's talk about those situations where we wouldn't give uh TPA. Maybe if they've already, if they have a tumor or something like that.
6: Sure. If we, if we see a bl- blood clot, obviously we're not going to give a clot busting drug. If we see a brain tumor, we're not going to do it. Um, and if we see a very significant stroke that's already happened, we're not going to do it. But many patients are on other medicines, blood thinners, Eliquis and you know, Xarelto and, and Coumadin, uh, you know, blood thinners for their heart or blood thinners for other problems. So g- having blood thinners is a contraindication. Already being on blood thinners is a, is a relative contraindication to these kinds of medicines. And obviously, if your high blood pressure is, is out of control, so your blood pressure needs to be controlled.
5: And the other thing is, anybody who's in the emergency room, their heart rhythm is monitored all through their stay, whether they have a broken leg or, or uh, you know, symptoms of a stroke. So that's being addressed as well, because perhaps the, uh, the jump in adrenaline, maybe high blood pressure, so it's causing the stroke, or all the conditions are leading to uh, an abnormal rhythm or elevated blood pressure. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back as we continue our discussion about treatment of strokes. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne
7: Ritchie exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the
8: medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net Hi, I'm Dr. Denny Caris, Chief Science Officer at Recovery Centers of America, and I'm here as your addiction expert. I get asked a lot how do people overcome addictions? Is there all different kinds of ways? Can some people just quit? Why do some people need a bunch of treatment? The reality is there is a small number of people who use addictively that can quit on their own. In a study where we asked, Did you used to have a problem with drugs or alcohol, but no longer do, and found out that 20% of people that say they used to have a problem were able to quit on their own. They didn't need any treatment or anything else. And we see that too with the Vietnam vets. There's a whole cadre of Vietnam vets that used opium and black tar heroin in Vietnam in an addictive way that just kind of quit on the way home and it never was a problem for them again. Importantly there's a whole other cohort of Vietnam vets for whom opioids is still a problem today. So you don't know if you're in that 20% or not. There's a bunch of people who quit with the help of their church or the help with 12 step groups or other support groups. And then a vast majority of people need some kind of treatment, whether that's outpatient treatment or residential care, and some people need detox to safely get the drugs out of their body. The only thing to know about detox though is that you don't Detox alone. That's usually five to seven days. And when people do that, they get all the drugs out of their body. They're at very high risk of relapse when they go back out. They don't have tolerance. They use the same amount of drugs and they tend to overdose. It's a very dangerous thing. So some people can do it on their own, but it's a very small percent. And you never know if you're going to fall into that group, right? And then some people need modest treatments. Some people need very long term treatment. Whatever it is you need, though, it's important to note that there is help out there. The best predictor that somebody will get into recovery from drugs and alcohol is treatment. Interesting though, the best predictor that someone will stay in recovery long-term and maintain recovery is participation in support groups like AA, NA, and other recovery support groups. If you or a loved one has a problem with alcohol or drugs, call 1-888-RECOVERY today or go to recoverycentersofamerica.com. We answer the phone and admit patients 24-7. That number again is 1-888-RECOVERY.
1: I'm Lisa Thomas Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars, Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no copays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com/star.
2: Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid advertisement
5: On your radio doctor with Dr. Robert Rosenwasser, the chair of neurosurgery at Jefferson University Hospital. Robert, we were talking about the uh, path of a patient brought to the emergency department when they're having symptoms, signs of stroke, and they'll go for a CAT scan. I remember when I was in training that CAT scans were the new jazzy imaging uh, tool. But they've come so far. I mean, we could not pick up lesions smaller than a centimeter. That's pretty big. Now you can see yesterday's salt and pepper, uh, you know, from your dinner yesterday. And, and you also have added angiograms to cascades. Yes, that you could study blood flow. Tell us about that if you would.
6: Well, that, absolutely right. So, you know, when you come to the emergency room, you're examined, you're potentially having a stroke, you go ab- immediately to the CT scan suite. You're, you get a CT scan, which looks at the brain tissue, and then we give contrast material, which is, again, given through your IV, which you already have in, and it allows us to look at the blood vessels, whether they're open, whether they're closed. There's new software that actually allows us to measure the blood flow in regions of the brain, so we can actually detect areas of brain that have died, and we can also detect, more importantly, the areas of the brain that are salvageable, that if we restore blood flow it will reduce the chance of having a permanent neurological deficit.
5: Mm-hmm. But again, it has to be within maximum four and a half hours, or you know we've missed the, the opportunity to, to do that good work. Now, how about if it's not a small clot? Sometimes it's a larger clot in the brain or even one of the carotid arteries, the artery that you can feel in your neck uh, pulsating. How about does TPA always work there, or might you have to go a step further?
6: Well, so the, that's a great question, Dr. Ritchie. And so the fact of the matter is, if four and a half hours is the, is the limit for the IV drug, but we actually go out to 24 hours in some cases when we do the mechanical thrombectomy. So um, even if someone has a large vessel occlusion, uh, which on the CT scan we can see if we look at the artery and see it's blocked by a blood clot, we would still give IV tPA if we can because it does make the clot softer. And quite frankly, if they end up having surgery, it makes it easier to remove the clot. In addition, in addition, it actually prevents uh, clotting at the at the capillary level. You know, like when you squeeze your finger, your thumbnail it turns white, right? Those that's the capillary. So. The little blood clot can form in the capillaries of the brain too. And TPA, even if someone's going to have a mechanical thrombectomy, has some. There is evidence that it protects the small blood vessels, what we call the microcirculation.
5: I never even thought about that because I picture, you know, the big artery feeds a smaller artery called an arteriole, and then it goes into capillaries, the tiniest hair width or maybe even smaller channel supplying blood with oxygen to fingertips as you say or the eyes or those uh microvascular uh, fed organs and so so the tpa is going to help anyway even if you have to do use the big guns which is a thrombectomy or removal of a thrombus or a blood clot so Walk us through the process. If somebody's going to have a thrombectomy, ectomy always means removal of, you're going to go in there, remove a thrombus. Um, and I love what you said. Time is of the essence getting from home or work or wherever the incident occurs to the emergency department. But then you use the expression door to needle time from when the person arrives to the emergency department front door to when they're the needles inserted and you do TPA. Tell us about that.
6: Well, we, you know, we obviously, m- we measure everything. We love to measure things. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we know that that the sooner, that the term door to needle time, so you hit the door of the emergency room and the, and that's when the clock starts ticking. And then needle time is when we've done the workup and give you the drug. We generally like to be able to give the drug within within, within, it has to be within an hour, we're generally less than 40 minutes. And, you know, and most comprehensive and primary stroke centers have gotten pretty good at it. Their door-to-needle time is probably between, you know, 30 and 40 minutes, and some is even less, quite frankly, in the 20-minute range. So, So the door-to-needle time, the shorter that time is from when you hit the door of the emergency room to when you get the medication, that's really important. And that has a direct correlation with outcome and recovery.
5: Mm-hmm. And if somebody has severe symptoms and you're sweating and you say, we don't even have time to do clot buster or TPA, you might go right to the big guns and go in and try to remove that clot mechanically. Yes.
6: Yes. And and, and they will obviously have to have a CAT scan 1st want to see if they have what we call a large vessel occlusion or a small vessel occlusion. If they have a severe stroke and it's due to a small vessel occlusion, then there's really no utility in mechanical thrombectomy, which is the surgical removal of the blood clot. But if they have a, what we call an LVO, LVO, which stands for large vessel occlusion, those are very good candidates where we go in and remove the blood clot. And yes, that's absolutely correct. So while this is going on, the whole team is there and ready for you. And I can't tell you how many times I'll get called in at 2 a.m. And and it's okay, you can go home now because I don't have a large vessel occlusion. So so the whole team is there by the time the patient is ready to be treated. And uh, and it's, you know, it's taken years to get this organized. It's no different than patient comes in with an acute heart attack, you know. And so the whole team is there waiting for that patient to, to proceed and and, uh, and attempt to remove the blood clot.
5: So there's a rhythm, there's a routine, not that you take it uh, casually or say, oh, here comes another stroke, but, but the people doing it do it maybe not all day, every day, but you do it repeatedly. And there's an understanding and a great um, working relationship among the members of that team. So the patient's going to get local novocaine or lidocaine injected in either the, the groin to go into the femoral artery or maybe into their, their artery in their wrist. If you palpate your wrist, you can feel a little uh, the artery and you feed a catheter through there, but you also sedate the person lightly, right?
6: Oh, that's absolutely so. You know, when we're doing an uncomfortable portion of the procedure, we obviously do have anesthesia standby. You know, years ago we would intubate a patient, put them asleep, but many times now we'll sedate the patient and make them comfortable. And obviously, we use a lot of local anesthesia, so so these, there's no discomfort really, or minimal discomfort associated with it. And uh, and very rarely do we put a patient asleep anymore with a breathing tube, unless they're very very ill.
5: But I would think, too, to to intubate somebody, again, trained professionals can do it quickly when it's necessary, but that's adding more time to the whole process. And do you prefer to have the patient lightly sedated and awake? Do they have to participate in any way, or do they just get on the Greyhound bus and leave the driving to you?
6: Well, I don't have to participate, but at the end of the procedure, it's very gratifying when we see the artery open. And they couldn't move the right arm, and I'll say, Can you pick your right arm up? And boy, the right arm comes up off the table. And at right. two o'clock in the morning, that's pretty gratifying to the yeah. whole team and to the and especially to the patient. So sure. you know, that's one reason we sedate the patient as opposed to putting them to sleep.
5: And you say, Thanks for stopping by, Lazarus.
6: There you go. Boy, uh-huh. there you go.
5: So we talked a little bit about the immediate findings on CAT scan that would eliminate somebody from Clotbuster. But I know you mentioned about 80% of patients aren't eligible because they've missed the four-hour window, they're already on a blood thinner. Um, but also you mentioned that if that had they've had surgery in the past few weeks and they're healing internally or even externally, let's say they have a hip, re- hip replacement or they might not want to have their blood thinned.
6: Am I right? Mm-hmm. You're exactly right, Dr. Ritchie. And that's the type of person where we would not give TPA, where we would go directly to a mechanical thrombectomy, which is a procedure that we talked about, going Mm -hmm. in, surgically removing the blood.
5: Search and destroy mission. I was fascinated when we were chatting the other day, and you mentioned a woman who's 102 years old. There is no contraindication or reason why age would determine yes or no with TPA. Could you tell us about that case?
6: and, and actually, that's, that's really a, a great piece of information that, that it's in the literature now. It's objective that, that there's, age is not a, uh, a, a an exclusion factor. So, you know, so the, the, the prognostic factors of how someone does are really the amount of time that they, you know, since their deficit started, the degree of occlusion and how much we're able to reestablish flow. So age is not a contraindication to mechanical thrombectomy. Uh, regarding the intravenous form, uh, some some individuals, you know, if they're beyond 80 are a little nervous about giving that medication because of the risk of bleeding. But in terms of mechanical thrombectomy, age was not a predictor of how some, whether they did well or bad. And so we treat all ages, you know, assuming that the family wants it or the patient wants it. And, and mm-hmm. we proceed. But,
5: but here's this remarkable 102 year old woman came to the ER you get the call parallel well weak on her right side she was already on a blood thinner for her history of atrial fibrillation you gave you did the mechanical thrombectomy and within days of letting her rest and recuperate she walked out of the hospital
6: yeah and this was over the Christmas holidays I think it was Christmas day or the day after she went home and uh, 102 years old and we actually reported that wrote it up in the literature because i think at that time she was probably one of the eldest patients treated in the united states if not the world
5: i would think so um thank you santa claus for that one and hanukkah harry and all the people that got her through that let's take a little break and we'll be right back with dr robert rosenwasser chief of neurosurgery from jefferson
0: Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand.
4: This is Emily Rubin, dietitian from Thomas Jefferson University Hospital and the Philadelphia Academy of Dietetics and Nutrition presenting you with your nutrition tip of the week. So we are going to continue with our digestive enzymes, which ones to take and which ones maybe not so to take so let's first talk about the lactase enzyme the lactase enzyme is marketed for those who have lactose intolerance where after you consume a milk product such as milk yogurt ice cream you may develop bloating gas abdominal distension anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours after consuming these products lactose is the sugar found in dairy foods that actually cause the digestive symptoms when you take this enzyme it actually will break down that sugar that's causing the symptoms The issue is, depending on how severe how severe your lactose intolerance is, can affect the timing of when these pills are consumed. It may be easier to actually buy the product that already has the enzyme added to it, such as lactose-free milk and lactose-free cottage cheese. And something else people don't realize is hard cheeses such as cheddar, Parmesan, are actually naturally lactose-free because there's no lactose, there's no sugar in that product. You could also try dairy alternatives such as plant-based products from almond milk, coconut, pea, oat milk. Our next enzyme we're going to talk about is peppermint oil. Peppermint oil is actually marketed to treat irritable bowel syndrome, like abdominal pain, bloating, diarrhea, and constipation. You can buy peppermint oil as a liquid or as a capsule, but it's most important to get it enteric coated, meaning it breaks down a little bit easier. While some studies indicate that peppermint oil in the enteric-coated capsules only will help improve IBS symptoms, there could be some possible side effects. Sometimes it may interfere with certain vitamins, minerals, and medications, and some people also develop heartburn or reflux from it. And our last supplement we're going to discuss is probiotics. They are known as the gut-friendly bacteria. Probiotics are, are live bacteria and organisms that provide proper balance and a beneficial bacteria in our GI tracts. There's many common probiotics. They have a therapeutic um, benefit in helping with antibiotic-associated diarrhea, infant colic, irritable bowel syndrome, and ulcerative colitis and or Crohn's disease. But we really don't know which probiotics are most helpful and safe and beneficial because the studies are sort of controversial. For some of my patients, I recommend a reputable probiotic brand that has been researched. So it's most important to ask your physician or dietitian which probiotic they recommend. This is Emily Rubin, dietitian from Thomas Jefferson University Hospital and Philadelphia Academy of Dietetics and Nutrition presenting you with the nutrition tip of the week. For more information, you can log on to yourradiodoctor.com and eatright.org.
1: I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars, Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no copays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com.
2: Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement.
8: When we ask questions, we make sure they're the big ones. Like when it comes to diseases, can we strive to treat, prevent, and even reverse them? And how can we make healthcare more effective and more affordable? These are the types of questions that can help impact the lives of so many patients, that help push the boundaries of innovation and healthcare for all communities. At Genentech, we are the pioneers of the biotech industry, tackling some of the biggest questions in healthcare. Learn more at gene.com/slash ask bigger questions. Your
3: radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Now Saturday afternoons at five, presented exclusively
0: by Independence Blue Cross. This program is paid for by your radio doctor, LLC.
5: We are so grateful to have Dr. Robert Rosenwasser, Chair of Neurosurgery at Jefferson. Talking about treatment of strokes, Robert, we were talking about age not being a reason not to go in and remove a clot. If a person comes in, like the the 102-year-old woman you treated, and she floated out of the hospital after she had that treatment, when a person is being evaluated for causes for stroke, we know it's not always a clot in the neck or carotid artery, or it's not always a clot in the brain. Uh, or a brain artery. Sometimes it's a problem with an abnormal rhythm. Your heart's going along pumping, and then there's a traffic jam. It it um it's it goes into an abnormal rhythm temporarily. Maybe a clot forms there, or maybe somebody's having a heart attack. They're not pumping enough blood to their brain, and they can have a stroke. So, in the ER, what are the things do we check for while the person's on the stretcher?
6: Well, obviously we we do an we check their blood pressure, we listen to their heart, we listen to their lungs, uh, we listen to their carotid arteries. I'm sure everybody's gone to the doctor and has a, puts a stethoscope on the neck to listen for uh, if there are potential blockages. And obviously EKG, the heart rhythm and blood pressure are probably the two of most important things in addition to the neurological exam.
5: And I guess if somebody walks into your office and they've had symptoms of a stroke and lucky for them, it's resolved, and they say, gee, Dr. Rosenwasser, what do I do here? What is your typical practice?
6: Well, so Dr. Ritchie, what you're describing is what we call TIA, which stands for transient ischemic attack. And that definition only sticks with the patient if the neurologic symptoms clear within 24 hours. But let's say someone has had symptoms two or three days ago and they come to see me in the office. um, I admit that patient. I admit that patient. I, I think that patient should be admitted. They, sh- they need to have blood work to look for proteins in the blood to cause clotting. We need to look at their heart. We need to look at uh, the blood vessels from the heart all the way up to the brain. And this is not something that, in my opinion, should be done as an outpatient because the risks are too high. And after a first TIA, first set of neurologic symptoms, the risk of stroke is actually highest in the first two weeks after that first episode. So it's really something that should be worked up, in my opinion, uh, as, it, as a, an admission to the hospital, and I admit those patients and work them up expeditiously in the hospital. Sometimes they may be only in a day or so, but, and then we know what medication to put them on.
5: Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I wanted people to hear you say, that because you had symptoms that came and went, don't look at that as a pass. You are still at risk for a full-blown stroke and while we have you captured just hold your nose go into the hospital get the testing done it might be ultrasounds of the carotid arteries in your neck it might be um, they might we might send you home with uh 48 hours of, of monitoring your heart rhythm or maybe even uh longer than that several weeks or even up to two years what we call a loop Uh, monitor that looks at your heart rhythm and actually reports back to us if you go into a temporary AFib or or other dangerous heart rhythms that slow or stop the blood to your brain. Um, So if a patient has those symptoms that clear in 24 hours, consider it a soft lesson as opposed to a hard lesson because you're still at major risk. I'd love to spend some time talking about the research you've already done and what your focus is on now. I don't even want to say it. I want you to surprise the audience because it's incredible.
6: Well, I mean, you know, we're doing research, um, you know, on part of the problem with the stroke, there's an inflammation that occurs in the brain. And, you know, everybody hears the word stem cell. We're not using stem cells from embryos, not embryonic stem cells. (laughs) But we use every, every person. We didn't think that, that adults had stem cells, but everyone has stem cells. Mm-hmm. And it's in the bone marrow. It, the bone marrow is the part where the blood is formed. And so what, we're, what we've been working on in our laboratory for about 18 years uh, is working out the mechanisms how to do this. So um, in, in an animal model, which is now progressing to clinical trials, we know that if we give stem cells, your own stem cells, so we harvest your own stem cells and we grow your own stem cells and we give them back to you. Uh, and that's about a two-week process after a stroke, but the recovery is remarkable. We don't really understand all the mechanisms. We put the stem cells directly into the brain through a s- small little hole. Eventually, we'll be able to give them intravenously. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have an, uh, an IND pending, which is investigator-initiated trial with the FDA here in the U.S. We hope to have treat our first patient in the fall. Uh, we have also are doing the same process uh, uh, experimental research uh, in Italy at Catholic University in Gemelli Hospital. So we may end up treating the first patient in Rome. We'll see what happens. We're dealing with the Italian FDA as well. So this is really, uh, this is going to be, re- this is remarkable. I mean, you know, It's over I will-
5: the top remarkable. I, I, I want to ask you a quick question. If yeah. you happen to get stem cells from Italy and infuse them into my brain, would I be able to speak Italian? It's like my favorite language. No.
6: Well, I don't know, but you may like pasta. I don't know. <laughs> pasta. Yeah, but it's your oh own. Oh my cells, gosh! Right? So we take yes. your own stem cells and grow your own stem cells and um and give them back to you. And it ha- it has a lot of effects without getting you know into all the mechanisms. But I I think it's going to be a revolution. You know, like we talked last week, there are seven hundred fifty to eight hundred thousand strokes a year in the United States alone. Yes. In the United, yeah. so yeah. it's not an orphan disease. It's not a rare disease, and I, mm-hmm. I'll bet you everyone who's listening to you tonight, Doctor Ritchie, is either known someone in their family or has a friend that or knows someone that's had a stroke. So oh, it's sure. not a common occurrence.
5: And I always like to remind our listeners what stem cells are because we use those terms pretty freely, and we have a, a, an understanding. Can you explain to our listeners what a stem cell is?
6: Sure. So stem cells are cells that turn into everything. They turn into your skin. They turn into your hair. They turn into your blood. They turn into your fingernails. Mm-hmm. They turn into your lungs. They turn, essentially, it's the cell that then differentiates into the different organs. And, uh, and you can actually, they have remarkable properties. And so, you know, eventually it won't be the cells that we use. It will be the byproducts of the cells, which are called exosomes, Uh, but, um, and so they have enormous regenerative capacity. It's not necessarily that the brain cells grow back, but what they seem to do is re re recalibrate the circuits in the brain. So the stroke doesn't go away, but the function returns or is preserved because it, it opens, turns on electric circuits that were not being used before. Mm
5: Mm-hmm. And I, I just think it's, it is so remarkable. That's the only word I can think of when I listen to you. As students, we go in and we observe cardiac surgery. And, and as a GI doctor, you know, I've done uh, over 150 laparoscopies in my training. I mean, my own um, procedures, uh, I stand back and say, wow, did I, just, did, did I learn how to do that? But the brain is so magical to me. And I have to ask you, what do you eat for breakfast? Do you eat nails for breakfast? How do you have the, the, the calm demeanor to say, OK, there's a clot in there or there's a tumor in there? How you must have a gene that helps keep you calm and focused.
6: Well, I, listen, I think that's true for everybody and every specialty and, and everything. Right. I mean, you don't think a concert violinist has the butterflies before he gets out on the stage right so you know and and again our you know we have a saying and it's not my saying but if the training is tough the war is easy and so you know i mean your training was vigorous our training is vigorous and if you've done a good job it doesn't mean we're not apprehensive or concerned about it but we know what the plan of action is and we have to execute it and and we're all you know we're all trained to do that it's not unique it's every specialty goes through that and so yeah, I think that's part of the training process.
5: We end the show uh, each week, as you know, with your real champion. And this week, I'll be talking about a little boy who's now nine years old, who's had surgery twice for a, a Chiari malformation. And for our listeners, you can explain it better than I, if you would.
6: Well, sure. A Chiari malformation is it. It, it occurs in uh, the brain, as you know, exits the skull. And goes into the spinal cavity and with an Arnold Chiari malformation there's a there's not enough room (laughs) there's not enough room in the back so uh, and it can cause other problems in the spinal cord so essentially with surgery you kind of you open it up and you make room you open up the coverings of the brain and you take off some of the bone that is compressing the cerebellum which is the balance organ of the brain and that can compress on the medulla the brain stem which controls respirations and swallowing and And it's where all the wires of the brain exit to go to the arms and legs. So Mm -hmm. it's a matter of making room for something that's uh, crammed uh, too tight just Mm -hmm. by nature.
5: So it can add pressure to the brain. And then the fluid that protects the brain and spinal cord can be interrupted, the flow, and and cause all kinds of problems. Um, I I just want to reiterate for our listeners, too, that for all the reasons you've outlined, that is why it's so important. Again, we can't repeat it enough. Call 911, and don't think if you're in your, if somebody's taking you anyway. Do not go to urgent care. Their hands are tied, and that's another delay in getting you to the right place and having um, a stroke center really be able to jump on your issue, jump on your problem, and and maximize your safety and your chances for recovery. Let's take a little bit break, and we'll be back for a wrap up with Dr. Robert Rosenwasser.
0: Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie is presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross.
1: Hi, I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars. That's Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some of these Medicare Advantage plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no copays pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. And all plans include dental, vision, and hearing benefits with no co-pays for routine exams. Medicare's highest rating. Philly's most popular plan. Don't wait, visit ibxmedicare.com/star.
2: Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement.
3: Now, your weekly prescription brought to you by Genentech, the science-driven company that pioneered the biotech industry to transform how we treat the world's most complex health problems.
5: And welcome back to our final segment of Your Radio Doctor. This is your weekly prescription brought to you by Genentech, the first biotech company in the U.S. Robert, we've learned so much about warning signs of stroke, risk factors, the up-to-date therapies, which are incredible. What are your most important messages for our listeners?
6: Well, thank you, Dr. Ritchie. I think that it's so important that we're, we're on a mission of public education and to educate everyone what the signs and symptoms are of a potential stroke. And that's why, again, write down the word BFAST, BEFAST, B-E-F-A-S-T. B stands for Any Problems With Your Balance. E stands for any blurring of vision or double vision. Uh, F is for any drooping of your face, um, and uh, S is speech, any slurring of your speech, and T time. If 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 we if I get nothing else across to you and Dr. Ritchie as well, if you have these symptoms, please call 911. Don't think it's going to go away. Call 911. Don't let your loved one or your friend drive you to the. To an urgent care or emergency room, call nine one one because they will come and check other things as well while they're getting you to the ER. Mm-hmm. So I, that's the what I could really what I would really try to convey to your listeners is is don't ignore the don't ignore these signs. They are warning signs of a major stroke.
5: And if you're on medications for your heart or your blood pressure, and you think, well, maybe um, I have a headache or this or that symptom. I think I'll stop my blood pressure pills for a few days. Always ask your doctor, do not treat yourself, do not change your medication without talking to your doctor because that opens the door for uh, stroke and heart attack risk as well, yes?
6: Yes, that's absolutely correct. So never stop your medicines without speaking to your doctor, never. I Mm -hmm. mean, we always say never, never and always, but never stop your medicines without talking to your doctor because it has consequences.
5: And if you're fortunate enough to get that little red flag a weakness in your arm, facial droop, difficulty speaking, but then it resolves and you're back to your baseline, don't think that you're home free. We call that a TIA, transient ischemic or low blood flow, low oxygen supply to a certain part of your brain, TIA, transient ischemic attack, and you are at risk for a full-blown stroke as much as somebody who's already had a full blown stroke. So see your doctor stat, don't cheat yourself of the opportunity to get these current star war levels of treatment. I mean, you're in Philadelphia, you have Dr. Robert Rosenwasser and a whole team of talented people. And as you say, other centers might not be primary stroke centers, but they, they know how to get the ball started. And it's so important to take advantage of that opportunity, not urgent care if you think you're having a stroke. And as you said, age is not a reason to not treat stroke with going in and removing a clot.
6: That is correct. Age Mm -hmm. is not a limiting factor. Like Mm -hmm. I said, we treated a 102-year-old lady who walked out of the hospital.
5: Incredible. And then we also check other factors that could filter into causing your risk for stroke, like an abnormal heart rhythm, or even a weak heart. You hear on the news, Lieutenant Governor has a cardiomyopathy, and what that means for our listeners is, for some reason, the muscle of his heart is a little bit weak, wouldn't you say? And it's not pumping, it's not bench pressing the way it's supposed to, and that leads to other issues. So for all those reasons, treat yourself to regular doctor visits, and certainly, if you have any concerns about stroke symptoms, call your doctor stat good website. We always refer people to jefferson.edu.
6: Right. And they can find and navigate the Vicki and Jack Farb Institute for Neuroscience, where they can find everything they need to do about all kinds of stroke and the risk factors.
5: Mm -hmm. And if people want to be seen by neurology or neurosurgery at Jefferson uh, with uh, locations outside of Center City.
6: Well, that's correct. We have, you know, we were 18 hospitals and we have we have offices in, in neurology and neurosurgery, north, south, east, and west of Philadelphia. So we have many, many sites where patients can be seen outside of Center City.
5: Mm-hmm. And if you're seen in Center City or one of the other, loca- other locations and you have questions that don't need a physical presence, we can always do telehealth. So for all those reasons, connect with us. That's why we're here at Jefferson. And the number to reach uh, a neurology doctor or a neurosurgeon is 1-800-JEFF-NOW. Dr. Robert Rosenwasser, you are a very busy gentleman, and I have to say, a man of many talents, truly a Renaissance man, but I think the best compliment I can give you as a colleague is that you are incredibly nice. Your patients say it, your colleagues say it, and I can't thank you enough because you have lots of other things to do besides spend two sessions with me on the radio, and I'm forever grateful, thank you.
6: Well, we're grateful to you to help us get this message out. And this is a great way to do it. And thank you for helping us get the message. Now you're a real champion, presented by the Rothman Orthopedic Institute. I know you've got the heart of a
5: champion. And now for your real champion, I call this segment a beautiful mind. Remember those carefree days of childhood when all you could think about was playing in the schoolyard at recess or finding your favorite snack in your lunchbox. Running home after school to watch your favorite cartoons? Well, some children face much bigger questions because of debilitating illness. Timmy Rayer is now nine years old, the youngest of four children from a very warm and loving family. So when his mom noticed he was late to achieve certain milestones like rolling over or crawling, she called her pediatrician. She was reassured that Timmy was on the right path and just needed the help of some physical therapy. Even his grandmother Betsy helped, so he was up and walking in no time. By the age of four, he had trouble learning to swim because he fatigued quickly from decreased muscle strength. He often complained about headaches and lamented, nobody believes me. Within a short time, the symptoms of headache and weakness collided with a fairly acute loss of weight. Time to head back to the pediatrician. Timmy's mom, Chrissy, remembers the expression on the doctor's face as she examined him. An MRI showed a Chiari malformation, an abnormality in the back of the head where the brain and spinal cord meet. Brain tissue at the base of the skull can push into the spinal canal, leading to pressure on the brain and blocking normal flow of spinal cord fluid around the brain and spinal cord. The pediatrician told Chrissy not to Google the topic. Next step, getting two different opinions about surgery. Now he had more headaches, was sleeping more, decreased attention, and losing sensation in hands and feet. He was only five years old, so Chrissy and Tim Sr. chose the minimally invasive procedure that was less risky. Timmy made it through surgery and had some improvement, but by age seven, increased symptoms led to a more invasive surgery, which involved removing a piece of bone from his skull, and six days in intensive care. Now, two years later, he was older, more aware, and more frightened. Currently, Timmy's enjoying third grade at St. Aloysius Academy, which offers a loving and supportive environment. Still has some hand and leg pain, so handwriting can be a challenge. Good thing he's living in the age of computers. His teachers accommodate his needs without making him feel different. After all, isn't that what any child wants to fit in? The heat and glare of the sun are hard to handle, so he has to wear a hat and sunglasses. So, all the guys in his class help their buddy by wearing matching hats and sunglasses, making it cool. Timmy is blessed with a high EQ. Lots of great friends in his neighborhood and at school. That support has helped make him resilient and tough. Chrissy says he reports his problems, but doesn't really complain. What caught my attention about Timmy was a post about an annual fundraiser for Children's Hospital called The Runway a luncheon fashion show at the Mann Music Center. Timmy was an ambassador for CHOP and walked the runway in his Neiman Marcus style. Think about it. Most nine-year-old boys would flat out refuse. At first, Timmy resisted, but Chrissy notes he finally agreed because he's grateful for his recovery. If you ask how he's feeling, he shrugs his shoulders and says, it's all good, like he hasn't missed a beat. And when he took the stage and saw his name in big lights on the marquee, he said, I felt like the most important person in the world. We can all learn a lesson from this remarkable family. When you look at Timmy, you can't see his headache or his leg pain. Chrissy and Tim Sr. have taught their older kids that you never know what someone else is going through. And they've grown closer as a family unit while loving their baby brother. This brave little boy faces adversity with courage and grace. Buoyed by her faith, family, and friends, Chrissy's a lawyer, a litigator, in fact. But when you translate, her more important title is Mother Bear, navigating with her heart and soul to protect her baby cub's beautiful mind. We salute you, Chrissy and Tim Rayer, Grandmother Betsy Wexler, and Little Timmy. You're real champions. Thank you for listening every Saturday at 5 o'clock. Listen to our show again and all of our shows on Odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y.com. Or visit our website, yourradiodoctor.com. We're very grateful to our fantastic sponsors, Independence Blue Cross, Recovery Centers of America, Rothman Orthopedic Institute, and our newest family member, Genentech, the first biotech company in the U.S. Join us next Saturday at 5 o'clock when our topic will be bronchiectasis, a form of lung damage often misdiagnosed. Learn about World Bronchiectasis Day on July 1 and the great resources provided by the COPD Foundation. Don't forget, there's a notable shortage of lifeguards across the country. Some pools have closed, but the ocean is open. Lifeguards are just spread out. So please keep an eye on your family members, especially the little ones, and wait till you get home to crack open that cold beer. Remember the other big need out there. Consider giving blood at this time of critical national shortage in blood supply. Visit redcross.org. Get your flags ready for next weekend as we celebrate the birthday of our nation on July 4th. This is your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, wishing you a wonderful, happy, healthy, and safe week with the ones you love. Always here to remind you that your health is your wealth.
0: Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. To contact Dr. Marianne and to listen to today's show as well as past shows, visit YourRadioDoctor.com. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests, and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program has been pre-recorded.
1: Hi, I'm Lisa Thomas Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars. That's Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some of these Medicare Advantage plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no copays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. And all plans include dental, vision, and hearing benefits with no copays for routine exams. Medicare's highest rating, Philly's most popular plan. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com/star.
2: Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement.